where we have Laura Dagen and Pamela Gordon. Pamela is our special guest this week and I'm Linda Pollock. It's lovely to have you with us, Pamela. Do you want to tell us a wee bit about yourself, please? Uh, sure. Um, I'm uh, originally from Irvine in Ayrshire. Grew up there and uh, I'm the carer and owner of a wee dog called Bobby, the Cairn Terrier. <laughs> Uh, I'm also currently the minister at uh, the Burup Church in Barhead, and I've been in Barhead since 2014. So, uh, and I joined Sanctuary first, I think just later on last year. You started coming into the coffee shop first, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, that's how Laura and I got to know you. And we're so happy that you're with us today. We can't wait to hear some of your chat and some of your crack. Laura, how are you, my dear? I am well. Yes, it's been a busy, busy week for me, Laura. <laughs> I'm uh, just off doing a service, um, and uh, yes, it's uh, it's been a busy week. Do you know though? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking I've got lots to do, so much to do, but actually, so much of it is what I put upon myself. <laughs> and then you know, it got me thinking. You know, I think some. I think for a lot of women that are, you know, you're you're trying. Um, especially I think in ministry you know you're trying to convey a level of authority you're trying to you know you know that people you know take you seriously you know what you're talking about you're trying to be innovative and creative and at the same time as you're trying to deliver all this you're also trying to like have your own life you know in my case it's like you know being a mum you know looking after my horses looking after my dogs <laughs> Um, and just family stuff, and it's it's exhausting. <laughs> well, Laura, I'm an old duffer in this game, and I'm going to tell you something that I was told 30 years ago in ministry. What's the quality of your yes if you never say no? Mm. You put that in your pipe and smoke it, my friend, and I hope that next week it's a bit quieter for you, but yeah. only you can control that because only you can say no. Yeah. Says, I, says I, who would be the same. But I think it's a woman thing, isn't it, girls? Isn't it a woman thing that we have to, well, maybe we don't have to, but we feel we have to be doing more and saying more and, and providing more. And I think that that's something that we need to be working on as women. You're going to say something there, Laura? Yeah, I think it's. I think we. I think it's something we put on ourselves, and it is. It's like it's to be taken seriously. Mm. Um, I think that, especially for us women that are in a in a profession that's mostly taken by men. You know, women have only came to this. You know, you know, uh, not that long ago, and so it's like you 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 feel as if you have to be, you know really trying extra hard, you know? And yet that makes no sense because... Exactly. You know, who's Jesus in it all, you know? Where's the spirit in it all, you know? Um, but at the same time... Sorry, uh, Papa. At the same time, as we're taking care of others, we have to take care of ourselves so that, you know, there has to be a time when you have to say, maybe not no, but not yet. I, I've been on holiday this week from my parish and just taking care of myself and taking care of the dog. Um, and you need that time when you just have to say, I need a break. And um, being a single person, I have to make that decision myself. There's no one to say to me, you need to take a break. I need to take that break myself. And so I always plan ahead when I'm going to take those breaks. Um, there has to be a time when you, and especially, I think, 
um, were tempted at a time when we're not meeting for worship per se in the church. We're not going out to visit people, but we still need that time to ourselves. We still need to recharge and, and, and renew. And that's what this week has been for me is just taking time to recharge and renew so that we can go back into our calling with that more vibrant yes instead of going aye all right <laughs> <laughs> it's that word isn't it dunamis dunamis is that greek word which we get dynamite from and that's that power of the of the spirit if we don't renew and refresh how, how are we expected to keep going and did you do anything outrageous or wacky or weird or wonderful or anything you can tell us that won't get you in trouble? <laughs> well, uh, if you're a Manchester United fan, it, yes, it yes. might be a thumbs up. If you're not a Manchester United fan, it might be a thumbs down. Still uh, because uh, I, I love to read. There's nothing outrageous, but I love to read and I love to read about people's lives and what makes them tick. And this week I've been reading Alex Ferguson's autobiography. One uh, or two, the first one or the second one. Uh, it's, it's, it's called My Autobiography. I didn't know he'd written another yeah, one. Second one. I believe the second one's come out. I've read this first one as well, because I adore Sir Alex. Yeah, so I, I like to know, as I said, I like to know how people tick. Mm -hmm. And I guess with my association with Aberdeen being that I lived there when I was studying, um, I used to hear the crowd cheer. I mean, this was long after Alex left, yeah. uh, Sir Alex left Aberdeen. But uh, uh, I, I read that book simply because I'm on holiday. I read it in five days. Nice. Um, there's 25 chapters there. And uh, that's been, uh, and he's a leader. Um, some of his tactics I could not use as a minister because no, he, of course, you know, he, get, he can be really quite, up front and there's ways I think, oh no, I couldn't do that with my And you can't really kick a foot you can't, you can't really kick a football boot across a changing room. <laughs> <laughs> and David Beckham getting a little butterfly on his brow. Um, but uh, I, I like to learn about how what makes people tick and who they are and why they have become the way they are and the legacy that they're leaving. And I'm by no means into football, but I like to learn about about people and their, their leadership skills. So that was kind of out of my comfort zone because he talks about football and he talks about all these different positions and I have no idea what it means. Some of the names are familiar, some are not, but um, it was more about how, who he is as a person and how he handled being a, being a manager for mostly, for he mostly talks about Manchester United. Well, I mean, that is the most significant team in his life, really, and, and in my life, and it should be in everybody else's life as well. <laughs> Just joking. Well, look, um, this week I've been on holiday too, and last week, and I'm on holiday next week as well, um, and I kind of like felt really guilty, like you, Laura, taking time off. Um, and Pamela, although you only had a week, um, I'm sure you were really glad of it but the last week I was packing this week I've been unpacking I just finished unpacking my, my wee study today and next week I'm gonna try and relax a wee bit more and just do nice things um I need to get some you know a few wee things in for the house that I, I didn't have that have been you know ruined and microwave blew up on yesterday the day before because it had been in storage and I didn't know the storage wasn't climate controlled it was a, a nasty big because I wasn't there, I was at my brother's funeral funeral in Belfast the day the storage, was, the stuff was moved into storage. So I didn't see that it was just a big container 
And I'm paying 200 quid a month for a big container thinking it was climate controlled storage. So yeah. the company will be getting a flea in their ear because not only that, but most of my clothes are covered in mold. So they, they have to, and they're, everything's soaking on the towels and everything else. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So next week I'm going to chill and relax. Mm -hmm. Because um, for people who don't know, you have moved, Linda, haven't you? Yes, yes. I, I've just finished being seven years in Postle Park Parish Church in Glasgow, and I've moved to the beautiful village of Lawrence Kirk, where I'm the um, minister-elect for Aberlothnut. I love that word, Aberlothnut, um, and Lawrence Kirk, which features Luthermuir and Mary Kirk villages and the village of Lawrence Kirk. So I have to say... The people here have been so warm and friendly and generous. Food, flowers, cards, uh, and I couldn't ask for anything more. So um, I'm very grateful for that. But listen, we're going to talk about uh, uh, a woman who's dear to all our hearts today. So we better get a move on because we haven't got much longer to go. Are you ready, ladies? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready? Born ready. Um, Right, so Delilah, do you remember that Tom Jones song? I saw the light on the night that I passed by your window. Ba -da 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 -dum, da -da -dum. Like every day, knowing that we would be going to record this and we were, and I've been thinking about Delilah, I have had that song good <laughs> for days. It's a brilliant song. I love it. <laughs> but it tells the story of a of a woman who betrayed her love. Isn't that, isn't that right? Where he saw, he looked through the window and he saw her uh, with another man and yeah. she stood there laughing, but she laughed no more because he stuck the knife into her. Um, but that's that's the modern story of Delilah. We're looking at the story of Delilah in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. She features mostly in chapter 16. Do you, do you, do you want to tell that story, Pamela? Tell us one thing that you remember in that story. Well, uh she was. She had quite the reputation. <laughs> well, did uh, she have that re reputation? Well, tell us what the reputation was. Well, because um, she was known for being a woman of the night. And interestingly, when I was reading a commentary on this, Delilah means night. Um, the translation of the word Delilah means night. Um, and the Philistines were having a really hard time trying to get Samson under their belt. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how the men seemed to, you know, they tried all they could with all the might that they had. And the, the, the men are, some men can be known to have this bravado, you know, I'm going to sort you out. But it took a woman to do it. Mm. Um, and they relied on a woman to, to get the information that they so needed. But it wasn't with the best of, um, it wasn't with the best, woman who had a reputation for being a woman of the night and uh, they lured her with 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 thousands upon thousands of shekels silver shekels um, and she she said yes I mean she basically did it for the money you know I, I want to challenge you on one of your points there uh, but I'll hear the rest of the story yet from from Laura go for it Laura well, see, I was wanting to, to just to, because I was looking, and it, it seems to be the commentators. It's the commentators that keep talking about our uh, character, you know, our character, a woman of character and reputation. But but it doesn't say for definite, you know, it doesn't say for definite, like actually 
who she was. You know, it doesn't, it just says that, you know, well, Samson was in love with her, um, mm -hmm. so she, but they weren't married. Um, he was in love with her, but we're not getting any, like, her feelings in this. Um, she does maybe, you know, so you're thinking, well, I'm thinking maybe she wants to be a woman of some financial independence, you know, so I'm thinking, well, if she was, like, a prostitute, you know, what was her situation? Why, you know, why does, you know, so if she wanted all this money so she can, you know, set herself up, you know, get out of the life. Um, but the other what the other thing that got me about what it was is actually we're, we think here it is like a Philistine, but mm. we're not actually told that she is a Philistine. And where she's, where, the, where it is that they're, they're at, it's kind of like a kind of border kind of land, isn't it? Where, mm -hmm. there are, where there is Israelites, but there's also Philistines, but we're not told, like, mm -hmm. is she actually like a Philistine? Um, so so that was um, uh, really, that was an interesting thing. And then, yes, so she then tries to find out, because she's been asked by the Philistines, you know, on payment that to find out how Samson is so strong. And he lies. Now, Samson knows what she's doing. He knows because he keeps telling her lies. You know, so each time she asks him, well, where did you get your strength from? How can we get rid of your strength? You know, he's telling her, he's telling her nonsense. She's then calling the Philistines in. Then they're finding out that it's a lie. And then, so... He knows <laughs> yeah. so it's like, well, so it's not really it's not really Delilah who's the downfall, he's his own downfall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> History has painted Delilah in a really, really bad light. And all the the Midrash stories in the rabbinic and Talmud traditions all talk about her being a woman of the night or a prostitute or whatever. But as you clearly pointed out, Darlene, there's nothing in the text that all we have, to quote my old Old Testament professor, Bob Carroll, all we have is the text. And anything else we impose upon it, it's not relevant. So Delilah, she's not, it's not mentioned that she is a Philistine. And as you rightly say, she's from Dan, the Valley of Sorek, which is uh, on the, well, the Philistines, according to historians, we're making inroads into the tribe of Dan. Actually, it's where modern day Gaza is today. Mm -hmm. And they were coming in from the southwest and, and pushing up. So she, some, someone, somewhere I read that if she had been um, a Philistine, the text would have said that. So the presumption then again is that she was a Hebrew. Um, but and, and another commentary that I read um, said that the name came from night, yeah, but it also could mean. Um, let me see, I've written it down. Delicate, <laughs> languishing, lovelorn, or seductive. So you pay your money and you take your pick. And I think we all have to ask again, I mean, there's only 55 to 8% of the named people in the Bible are women. 55 to 8%. So, I mean, who writes the history? Who writes the stories? So you have to, you know, even wonder if that's her name, Delilah was her name or whatever. Yeah, because um, Samson, when he was seeing other women, they were never they were never named. Named, right? The wife of such and such, uh, and and what? Samson's not. mother's not even named. Exactly, I know. The wife of Manoah, you know. Yeah. The other thing about um, suppose a commentator says that 
um, Samson was never attracted to Israelite women. He was only ever attracted to Philistine women. But how do we know that? All, all, all the stories tell us is that, uh, you know, about the Philistine, they only tell us about the Philistine women. We don't know if there were Hebrew women that he was attracted to. We don't know. I mean, he loved Delilah. It doesn't say she's a Philistine. It's kind of like fear of the other, though, isn't it? Oh it's, um, no, it's the fact it's not. It's even though she's you know she's a woman and she's demonised, but potentially she's like the other as well, and you know a kind of outsider. She's you know she's not an Israelite and she's she's demonised, mm. um, and it's a. Uh, and I read, I read an interview, well, it was like a, a feminist uh, commentary that I had read, and it's like they talk as well about, you know, this, um, you know, it's like Sam's, you know, it's okay, you've either got, you know, you've got your good women and you've got your bad women, you know. She could be a good woman because well, she's a mother. You know, we make the mothers, you know, the, the mothers are the good women and then the other ones, well, no, they're the bad genes. <laughs> Well, it's like Pamela was saying earlier. I mean, in some some quarters of Hebrew teaching, they reckon that she is a hero. But let's go a step further and put an S in front of the H and make her a shero. <laughs> so they reckon she was the shero because where the men failed, as Pamela said earlier, mm-hmm. she succeeded. You know, and like a resistance fighter. I was thinking about her. You know, like in uh, you know, like in the in the World War Two. Like resistance fighters, and you get the women that are maybe sent in. You know, as like you know, seductress spies. You know, yeah. information. You know, that kind of thing. And because yeah. and you think, well, if see if she was a Philistine, you know, maybe she would. Like Samson's done a whole load of damage beforehand. He's um, you know, he's killed so many Philistines um, in the name of revenge, you know, but even then he didn't, you know, he didn't treat his wife well, you know, yeah. then he went off, you know, he didn't treat her well. He's, he comes in and kind of like, you know, does his own thing and then goes away and then has a big hissy fit. <laughs> and he's called all these Philistines, but maybe, you know, she is a Philistine, maybe, well, but potentially maybe her brother or her father or maybe yeah. a husband. Or a son could have been killed by Samson. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe there's a reason why she maybe she wants revenge on him, and she's like, "Well, I'm quite happy to take your money. I, I'll, I'll sort him out for you." Yeah. No, so maybe she's a maybe she's a a resistance fighter. Yeah, she's uh, maybe sub- subversive. One of the things that I was looking at this said that although art and film portray her as a femme fatale. One of the things I looked at said that the word in the I didn't I studied Hebrew, but it nearly killed me, and, and I can't remember any of it. Um, the one of the words is patai, pati. I don't even know how to pronounce it. P a t t i, and that word is the the word that's used to describe her, and it's a word that talks about um, one who can persuade with words rather than with her her body, oh. her sexuality. Um, so that that puts a whole other dimension onto it. I think. And I think if, I mean, do you remember Cecil B. DeMille's film with, uh, what was his name? I loved him, that actor. Victor Mature, is that his name? Was it Victor Mature? I don't know. Anyway, he was Samson. Do you remember he he was Samson? Do you remember the last scene where he puts his arms out between the 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 columns in the the Temple of Dagon? 
and he, he kills hundreds of thousands of Philistines again. Um, I mean, I just think it's hilarious. She's, she's depicted as the worst in the world because she wheedles out of him his secret, whereas he slaughtered hundreds upon thousands of people. You know, we're, our, 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 our judgment mechanisms are something out of kilter there. You know, in my mind, but anyway, Victor, was Victor mature? Yeah. So I think it's it's really important for us not to not to go along with these understandings of of biblical women who are portrayed in a very negative way. Do you know, I was thinking as well um, about how as as children, you know, so in a children's Bible, so we don't really get an awful lot of judges. You know, because people kind of, even in the church, you know, and like in normal times, you know, we don't get an awful lot of judges because uh, the book is it's quite a, you know, just a, a hard of isn't it? And a lot of violence. And God doesn't seem to really be in judges. Um, but whenever it's in the children's Bible, you know, Samson's one of the stories that they'd always use. And I was wondering, what do you think then that how that portrayal in like a children's Bible then affects how we then read that story, you know, as we come into adulthood? Mm-hmm. When I first, you know, I, I've always had this mindset that, that Samson was like the Incredible Hulk, physical, the physical stature. Um, because that's what the the story is based on, his strength. And yeah, I learned reading about this story that he was quite, he he, he was the complete opposite. He was probably, I don't know what height he was, but he seemed to be not a muscly person because that's why they were trying to figure out what, how he got his strength in the first place. It obviously wasn't clearly because of his of his physical stature, but I always came up with the idea that he was like the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. And that was that's just been completely taken away from me now because as the commentators say, well, he wasn't. There was something within him himself that was causing him to have, it was something that was clearly invisible to ourselves that made him, you know, um, you know sometimes when I'm having to move something else, a guy will come up to me and say, well, let me do that. And I'll say, no, it's okay, I can manage. And they say, you've got strength that you don't realise you have. And I said, but that it's just there. Nobody knows that it's there until you actually start using it. And it was the same with Samson, was that nobody knew he really had that strength because it wasn't showing uh, in his physical stature. Mm-hmm. I think with, with regards to children, um, we're our, I think our stories of scripture are formed really, really early on. And that's why I think for me, it's very, very important that scripture with children is, is done properly. Um, I mean, we were talking earlier about the good Samaritan. You know, do we tell children that it's more the exception than the rule that Samaritans are good? The perception is that they're, they're bad, but occasionally you'll get a good one. And, and, and how does that, again, we were talking about the, the xenophobia earlier uh, with, with Philistines and Delilah. And, and, and does that carry over into our everyday lives? You know, I think that 
I read actually the Samson and Delilah story in the children's Bible online to get an idea to just well, how, how, are they, how are they dealing with this? Um, and they just, I mean, they just put lots and lots of different stuff into it that wasn't even in the story. Mm-hmm. And they glossed over the whole um, prostitute thing, which, I mean, I don't know. I've, I have actually written the story of Samson and Delilah, and Samson, not Delilah. I omitted the Delilah bit for a wee boy I know with very long hair and his pants are making fun of him. So I wrote the story about Samson with his long hair. But I had to read the story very, very closely. Um, But I think it's art, literature. I mean, my earliest memory of the story of Samson, because I didn't grow up going to church, was of the Cecil B. DeMille film. And so I thought that was truth. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's very important with our children especially. Um, And and people who are unchurched or... um, illiterate in terms of scripture it's very important that we don't allow art and, and cinema to t- tell the story incorrectly you know? uh-huh. and also I think as well it's like about uh, there's something in this I think as well where actually we're allowing people to I think especially for children it's okay to blame other people for for your actions, you know, not taking responsibility for your actions. Samson, I think, could quite easily have, uh, (laughs) you know, this didn't need to happen. (laughs) He didn't need to give away his um, his, um, strength. He didn't need to, you know, but it's Delilah that gets the blame of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was brought up from the womb. The angel came to Manoah's wife and gave her strict instructions. And I laugh at this story because... Her husband, Manoah, didn't believe her that she'd seen an angel. So he, he prayed to God to let the angel come again. And then he, he said, well, you can't, the angel can't have given you those instructions. I'll ask him again. So the angel confirmed everything again as if she was a quarter wit, not even a half wit. Mm-hmm. So she, she reared him from the womb, from conception, to be a Nazarite, to be especially set aside for, um, to be devoted and dedicated totally to God. But if he grew up like that, what happened? I mean, the story's quite vague. Um, he saw a Philistine woman and he was attracted to her, so his parents said, you'd be better with a Hebrew woman, but he insisted, so they, they let him have his way. I mean, how old was he? If he was reared, which seems he was reared in the way of the Nazarite, surely they would have been able to say to him, this is not who you are as a Hebrew boy, Hebrew young man. But we can see from the story over and over again, I mean, touching the carcass of the lion made him unclean in terms of Levitical law as well. It's just incredible how how easy it is for us to say, I, I dedicate myself to you. And yet, you know, what the eye sees, the heart longs for, you know, and just to be easily taken aside and then to look for ways to blame other people. Yes. And and women are always the fall girl as opposed to fall guy in scripture, you know. They're always demonized. Uh, well, unless they're the victorious like Jill with her tent peg, you know, or, or the unnamed Jephthah's daughter. Um, it's it's strange how women are... But then again, who wrote the text? Mm. See, it's the... Well, exactly. And it's this, like, not looking, not looking deeper... You know, yeah. and it's uh, you know trying to put you know it's it seems to be that it's women that is that are painted in the worst light, and I think they've done this. I think there's 
a backstory a Delilah that we, you know, we're never going to know. Um, and I think it's probably quite an intriguing backstory to Delilah. Um, you know, you given, don't even, given the that, fact she's named, you know. Incredible, yeah. But we don't know how, how her story ends. We don't know how she dies. We hear nothing more about Delilah. What did she do with the 1,100 shekels times however many lords there were in Philistine leadership? Um, it's interesting that some people think she was the mother of Micah. That's and, you know, Micah's idol, the story which comes in the next chapter in Judges, mm-hmm. where um, she gave 1,100 shekels to, or pieces of silver to uh, a silversmith to create an, uh, a little idol and whatever uh, for to create a little sanctuary in her own home, her son's home. But uh, it just intrigues me that we hear nothing more of her. Some, some folk think that she was in the temple when Samson crashed the temple to the ground, uh, his, his final act of defiance as he died, you know. But I'd love to... I, these are some of the questions I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. <laughs> what happened to this woman? Maybe she, she took all the money and she ran up north and <laughs> opened up a, a shop selling whatever. I mean, she, she could use a loom because she, she tried to weave his hair, didn't she? The seven strands of hair. Right. So maybe she became a, a I think she became an independent lady. I think she set up her own business. Uh-huh. I think she, um, that's, that's what I like to think anyway. But uh-huh. you know, I would really like to give, um, this is something that, you know, probably maybe for another podcast or an actual blog or maybe even a book. <laughs> These, uh-huh. uh, you know, like, like what, what's the what's the afterlife the afterlife for these characters yeah you know, find out you know what, what could have been and then you could like and you know think about well what was the what was their life before we were introduced to them you know you could really flesh them out and yeah. you know and that's the, that's what I find really a bit sad about some of these female characters as is you know, we, we know so much about the men. We get to know, you know, you can read into them, you know, by what's said and what's not said. You can really, but but the women, and mm-hmm. sadly, Delilah's one of these ones where I, I really feel she's been demonised and become a, become a caricature, actually, you know, yeah. not even a stereotype, a caricature. Yeah, certainly an art. Wouldn't it be interesting after lockdown when we're allowed to get together, to get, say, seven women in scripture, and then we own six, seven of us women, and then have a dinner together around the table and take on the character of each woman. And oh, like, yeah. You could play Delilah, um, Pamela, you could play Hagar, I could play, I don't know, Ruth or whatever. Um, and, and just go and do a deep dive into these women and just have a a conversation around the table. Be interesting to see how many women we can actually get around a, a table. Would we need a big banqueting table? <laughs> Name the women off the top of our heads now. How many would we need? And that, that's the one thing I enjoy about reading about Alex Ferguson this week uh-huh. is that, as I said, I, I like to know what makes people tick. Mm-hmm. What was it in his earlier years that made him to be the person that he is now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made him such a, a great guy um, uh, on the field mm-hmm. um, to make him to make Man United who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we don't get that with Delilah. We just get well. Here she is. You know, 
um, offered all this money and and she's given this job to do and then you never really hear of her again. But what was it that made her get to that point in the first place is, is, is what I would really like, mm -hmm. like to know. Yeah, a bit of background would be really helpful and interesting. And I think one of the things that concerns me is this um, imposition of identity upon her. We, we People assume she was a prostitute. Um, and so was she just a regular commoner garden prostitute? Or was she a temple prostitute, um, a religious prostitute, which is different again? And if she was a prostitute, why? Why did she have to live her life in that way? What happened? What? what, what where was her? Where was her family circle? Because you know, family circles are everything in, in that culture. And was her no male relative could have looked out for her? Um, and I think it's too easy. I mean, they did the same with Mary Magdalene, didn't they? The, portrayed her as a, a, a prostitute. Um, and incidentally, Delilah is the only woman, only, Samson is the only man in scripture defeated by a woman. I just think that's incredible. Mm. I've just said that and I've realized Jael killed the army, the leader of the army against, what was his name, Sisera? That's right, yes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I've, I've contradicted myself there. It's not like me. <laughs> oh, well. But, but the difference was he was a biblical hero. I suppose Samson was a biblical hero. Yes. As opposed to Cesera, who was a, a bit of a... A bit of a body. A body. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're part of Cesera's army. Or... Exactly. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So, um... I don't know if there's a whole lot more for us to talk about with Delilah. I mean, there must have been something about her because Samson loved her. And it, to me, I mean, we all, everybody talks about, oh, it was just sex, it was just sex. But there had to be more to it. You know, there had to be more to his love than sex because if it was just sex, then he could go and find somebody else or, or a dozen different people. There was love, Samson loved her. And that's why in the end, you know, it was his downfall, wasn't it? His his bad living, his refusal to own his true identity as a as a, a child of God. Um, yeah. But there must have been something about her because he loved her. So maybe we should end with Delilah bit on that note and move to what's been in the news the past few weeks. It's caught your attention with regards uh, to women. Well, it's, um, I, I feel that... Um, did you know, no matter what people's politics are, mm. um, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to get too much into politics, but as a as a woman, um, I really admire how Nicola Sturgeon has led this country through the pandemic. She's worked tirelessly for it tirelessly and kept everybody informed and I really would not want her job at all because oh no I, I the stress of it you know I, I just I feel for her you know as another woman I feel like the, the burden of that responsibility um and how the impact it must have on her personal life or the stress that she must feel and so it really pains me it pains me whenever, um, you know, other women are attacking her, you know, politically. Yeah. And, and I feel that as well that, um, you know, to see her being 
you know, castigated, you know, um, call, you know, our integrity called into question. And again, I don't want to go into the politics or, you know, the past cases and all the rest of it. But I just feel the woman has done, she's done a marvellous job. Um, and even if she was a man, I would have said the same thing. She, yeah. you know, they've done as a leader, she's done a marvellous job. Um, and it's really sad to see that this is how, you know, that, that she's now been attacked so much for actually having done, you know, it's a, a, a time when she should be being applauded and be able to actually reap the rewards for having led us so well. Yeah, anything to add to that, Pamela? Right, Nicola? I just wonder what her weekends are like right now because um, I know she has a... Uh, a hearing coming up this Wednesday and I don't think she's probably had a minute just to put her just to just to be Nicola I know she's a great reader mm. and I just wonder if she ever gets any downtime just to pick up a book mm -hmm. for a day I think if she's not dealing with Covid then she's got this event that's coming up on Wednesday yeah. um, and the other thing is I've noticed is that there's a lot of women who are leading their countries during this pandemic and doing a, a, a stellar job. Yeah. Seeing that men aren't. I, I think Joe Biden has really picked up the <laughs> picked up the speed here um, uh, and, and gotten things back on track. But uh, with Kamala Harris's help. With Kamala Harris, with his help, that's true. Yes, uh, and a very strong, well, uh, strong wife, I'm sure as well. Yes, uh, and it was his granddaughters who talked him into mm. running for president in the first place. So uh, I think I think Nicola has a lot to be proud of. Mm -hmm. um, I echo that. Yeah, I, I think I think she's tried to keep politics out of the COVID um, presentations that she gives out every day and I think she's proven how much she loves her country and how much she loves her people uh, the people mm -hmm. of Scotland the fact that she is up there almost every single day and as I said earlier she's we've seen her almost in tears yeah um at, at, at dealing with this COVID because the pressure is absolutely immense she mm -hmm. hasn't had a holiday in a long time a long time Mm -hmm. I, 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 my heart aches for her. I looked at her the other day and I saw big black circles under her eyes. And I thought, I'm not even getting enough sleep to do her. But she's still standing up and she's still, I mean, I just, I hate to see women treating other women as badly as she's being treated at the minute. You know, this, this whole thing in the, the, the government, the, there's a way to do something. And why is it okay for women to behave like men? Why, why is there a, a vicious um, um, attacking mindset? You don't have to, you don't have to be cruel. And I'm, I, 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 again, it's not a, a political party thing for me, but I, I loved Ruth Davidson before she got this, what is it? I don't know if she's a dame or what she is, but I loved her before then. A baroness. A baroness, whatever. But I tell you what, to me, she's lost all integrity because of the way she, she's been treating Nicola Sturgeon. She's buying that Baroness or, or Dame Hood or whatever it is um, with the way she's 
treating Nicola Sturgeon and Jackie Bailey as well. I mean, three wonderful women, but they're talking to each other. Um, well, they're, they're attacking, I think, Jackie Bailey and, and Ruth Davidson are attacking Nicola Sturgeon. Um, and, and it shouldn't be about party politics at this time. It should be about COVID and, and supporting her and her leadership. But any opportunity to get the dig. And I think, come on, women, let's do it differently. Mm. And I think that we're held to a, a different kind of standard. Not, I don't mean we have to be all, you know, motherly, merry, meek and mild, all that crack. We've got to be strong, yes. We've got to be honest. We've got to have integrity. We've got to do it differently because we're not men. We're women. And strong women are not men in skirts. Yes, that's that's. I think that's something really important to stress, because again, I was saying at the beginning how I feel that you know I've got to work harder, I've got to try harder, yes. um, which and actually I shouldn't need to. None of us should have to. We should be able to be, be able to be, you know, women that are ministers. You know, you know. I know I'm not ordained yet, but I'm working towards that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, being able to be you know, and be able to bring that to our ministry. We don't have to, and I think it's the same in politics. You know, you should be able to be a woman in politics and not have to, you know, try to, try to you know, go the same tactics as what a, a man would do. I think, I think there's, you know, um, as, as, a, as a minister, there's, there's sometimes it's it's not so much what you say it's the way that you say it um you know some you need i need you need a cool temperament when you're trying to put a point across so that when i when there's a, maybe a disagreement going on between myself and another elder i always try to keep it cool crustage try to keep calm because um then hopefully um as that i'm not allowing them to pull me in to, to their argument is yeah. about keeping control, it's about keeping calm. And unfortunately, I grew up in a male-dominated household. I had a dad and I had two older brothers. And boy, did I have to fight to have my voice heard because I was the youngest and the female. You know, my mum was there, obviously. But it was like, oh, what do you know? And I still find that today. With my with my brother, one particular brother, and even today in a, an incident I told you about my car earlier, it's just like I have to fight to prove I do actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a brain. <laughs> yeah, I think the temptation for women, um, certainly for me, I can't say for all women, for me is to to um, treat men the way to behave the way I see men behaving. And, and that's just not right because I think we have we have we have much to bring to the table. We have as much, if not more, than men. Um, and I don't want this to be a, a contest against men against women because I, I don't believe that for women. God created as equal. God created as different. I think what I'm saying is let's let women be women and men be men, and let's create the space and the environment, particularly in the kingdom, um, where there's neither male nor female. Mm -hmm. children of God um, and I think we need to be bringing more of the, the feminine, I don't mean girly pink sparkles, I mean the feminine as in Sophia yes. 
how we are and who we are mm-hmm. and how we minister and serve. Um, anyway, like our time's almost up. And what have you got on this week, Laura? Um, well, I have, um, I'm recording, um, some, I'm recording some Lent material for children. I've been, uh, I was inspired by the Wild Lent book. Um, so I'm going to get outside and do some recording, recording a few wee segments to inspire kids, uh, through this Lent period and, um, also preparing because we've got communion next week. So that, and also I'm going to relax I'm really going to relax at some point and enjoy my animals and I've been inspired by what Pamela was saying about that uh, Alex Ferguson book so I might give that a wee go. (laughs) Enjoy it and Pamela have you anything wonderful coming up this week? Uh, Yeah I have a a new gig coming up this week Um, I'm going to be uh, co-hosting an alpha course uh, and we're, that's not till the 17th of March, but I'm beginning to um, plan that with Tim Maynard, who's the recently ordained minister here in Barhead at St Andrew's Church. So we're going to be chatting about that and, and starting the ball rolling about how we're actually going to do it. Because <laughs> it's going to be online and I'm not a, a geek with computers, but thankfully Tim is. So, um, and I'm... Uh, uh, I have a funeral on Wednesday for a dear lady in my church mm. uh, later on, but uh, um, also going to be doing um, going to be doing a, an online service with a care home that I can't go into right now for obvious reasons. But we're going to be doing that online. So there's lots of opportunities for for ministry, and then of course getting ready for Sunday as Good. well. So um, I'm just taking care of me and taking care of my dog. Good on you. Well done. <laughs> I have nothing that I have to do this week, not a thing. And I'm so happy that I don't have to do anything. I'm going to chill. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to go out and walk around the village. Um, I think I'm going to cook as well. I'm going to make some good food this week. And other than that, I'm going to just try and fall in love with God a little bit more every day. Mm. Uh, I love I love birds. I love the birds singing. I'm waking up to the birds singing. I go to bed hearing the birds singing, and I haven't had that for a long time. And I just feel that this is a beautiful place for me to be in in my life at the minute. And I so thank God for that, you know. Mm. And I hope that those of you who are listening to us just now, I hope that your week, your month, until we meet again next month, I hope that it's a a time when you're glimpsing God, and most of all, glimpsing God when you look in the mirror. Because when you see God in yourself... It's a bit easier to see God in others, especially the ones that really wind you up and do your nothing. So remember whose you are, remember to whom you belong. You're a beautiful child of God, a loved child of God. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.